As Eckhart Tolle said, boredom, anger, sadness, or fear are not yours, not personal. They are conditions of the human mind. They come and go. Nothing that comes and goes is you. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for Finding Human, a look at the wonder that is the human mind, right here on 101.9 High FM. Hello, it's Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph, and it's really so good to be back in the studio. I would like to wish everyone a very happy 2019, and I hope it's peaceful and safe for you all. And welcome, Rabbi Alon. It's so good to have you as my first guest for this year. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be back in the studio with you. Uh, and you like our new studio, don't you? They are magnificent. <laughs> they are magnificent. And I'm sure you'll have many happy hours in them. Um, I hope so. Today our topic is make the world a better place. And there is a quote, we are enlarged by difference, not diminished or threatened by it. What is your view on that, Rabbi Alon? So I think this is probably one of the most amazing topics when we were discussing it and you, uh, and you requested from me. I love the topic because I think it's a topic that is so pertinent to the world that we live in today. About looking at the world, looking at people around us, seeing their differences, respecting their differences, and realizing that everybody is different and making this world into a really beautiful place. If we can see beyond what the eyes see, we can see people for who they are, we can really make a big difference to the world around us. And it's exactly because of those words of wisdom that I actually asked you to come on this program today. Rabbi Alon actually runs a, a corporate workshops called Live Your Part. And, uh, and because of that, he, he actually, his workshops are made up of all different cultures, religions, uh, races, uh, genders, ages. How do you get them to actually work together, especially initially? Is there a lot of suspicion initially when you get good? Because you don't, you don't separate people, do you? No. So it's always a fascinating thing when we go in. I go in and I, I got my yami on my head and people look at us and they're a bit suspect. You know, what's going on over here? And it's an amazing thing. We try to help companies build cultures. That's exactly what we do. We build cultures through values. And one of the most fundamental values is about is about respect, respecting other people, looking at other people. So people, when we go in, are always suspect. What are these guys up to? What do they want from us? What are they trying to achieve over here? And especially because you're in your uniform, too. Exactly. You know, yeah. you walk in and people see you and they think, hmm, this, this should be interesting. Mm -hmm. And we're all different religions. But they realize after about the first two sessions, they realize, hold on a sec, there's something different over here. And I think that's because... Fundamentally, the business is based on respect of every single person. We're not there. We're there just to make this world a better place. That's really what we want. We want people to realize that they can be role models, that they can go out there and change the world. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be rich. You just have to be yourself, and you can change the world around you. You can make a difference. And when people realize that we are genuine and people realize that we actually just want the best for them as individuals, they come on board and they love it because of that, that we're not there for any hidden agendas. We're there because we want them to be role models and change this world. And that's really what we, 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 the whole purpose of Living Party is to make this world a better place. And every individual can do that. People are not born great. People are not born leaders. People become leaders. If you look at all world leaders um, throughout history, a lot of them came through through very difficult backgrounds. But the one common thread that all leaders had is that they respected other people. Regardless of who they were, their background, where they came from, it was the ability to realize there is a greater purpose in this world. And if I can respect other people, then we can change this world. And that's what people realize in Live Your Part. They see that that's really what we, we are genuine. We want the best for other people. We want, we want people to really achieve their greatness, and we want the companies to become better because of that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all the politicians today could actually follow that those values? Of, you know, respecting each other and, and not, it's not us versus them, which is very much what the politics of today is. Agreed. And unfortunately, it's very, very sad that, that politicians, unfortunately, don't live by these values. Um, often politics, they say politics is a dirty game. 
You know, if you're going to get into politics, make sure you've got no uh, hidden skeletons because if you do, it's going to come out. They're going to look for things that they can put you down. They're going to look for things to say, is this the type of leader that you want? And that's really the unfortunate part of it is that instead of trying to make this world a better place, the politicians are always putting each other down. Instead of offering what makes us better, it's about what other people are doing wrong. So this is this um, division between everybody eventually, isn't it? Agreed. And sus- you know, suspicion. We're all, everyone's sort of looking at each other and thinking, well, what's in it for you? And where are you going? You know, Abraham Lincoln said about power, he said, nearly all men can stand adversity. But if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Agreed. And I think that's most, it's a very powerful statement that. And I think if we look at these concepts, one of the most powerful personality traits that we have that leads to these things is arrogance. Mm. You know, people believe, oh, I'm in a power, I've, I've got this powerful position and that makes them arrogant. And as soon as someone is arrogant, they, they lose the ability to respect someone else because then it's all about them. It's about the power that they possess. And it's not about being and looking for the good of other people. It's about how can I stay in power? How can I keep my power? What do I need to do to keep that? Whether it gives them a sense of entitlement, whether it gives them the ability to to degrade other people and to look at other people and say, well, you're not like me, so you're bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with leadership is that, that it can lead to terrible arrogance. If not managed, if a person is not in touch with their personality, if a person is not working on themselves. And a person is not realizing, why am I in this position of power? True leaders did not go searching for it. That's not that they wanted to be, that they realized there was a problem. They realized something needed to change. And they stepped into it. I mean, that's what Churchill did, didn't he? He stepped into that position and uh, when Britain most needed it, when the world needed him, actually. Exactly. And that's where you find true leadership. True leadership is about looking at other people and realizing and saying, hold on a sec. It's not about me. It's about other people. I want to make this. I I, I think we can do something great over here. They never went out looking for it. It found them. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to make a difference to the world around them. They realized that things could change, and they wanted to help, and they wanted to be part of that change. And I think because of that, they saw people as, you know, that um, I was saying to you that Ralph um, Emerson, said that treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he could be and he will become what he ought to be. Agreed. And I think that's what a true leader does. He looks at the people who are going to be following him and he he sees the greatness in them and then he doesn't feel threatened by them. No. In fact, it's just the opposite. Um, there's a great book of, of Ken Blanchett. He's, he's written so many motivational and powerful books, a lot on leadership and management. And he says that the way that we have to view the, um, leadership, he says often leadership is viewed at like a pyramid. You've got your CEO on top, your managers underneath it, and your workers at the bottom of the pyramid. And he says that's not the model that we need to be working with. You need to flip the pyramid upside down. And he says at the bottom is the CEO and then the managers. And each person, as it goes up, each person is responsible for the people above them and saying, how can I make them better people? How can I make these people who are reporting to me, how can I build them? How can I make them great? What skills do they need? How can, and and they look at leadership like that and saying, so the CEO looks at his managers and says, how can I make them the best managers? Mm -hmm. And the managers look at their staff and say, how can I make these staff the best off. What is it that each of the staff members need? Am I providing it for them? Am I giving them, am I giving them what they need to become the best people? Am I giving them their skills? Am I helping them to develop themselves? So we're just breaking now and then we'll get back to it and I'll give you our SMS numbers. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph, and we are talking about making the world a better place. If you'd like to WhatsApp us, please do so on 061-895-1019, or you can SMS us on 345 
0891-104-19. Rabbi Alon, I actually want to get back in a moment to your, that pyramid, but you know that there's this Native American saying, if we look at the path, we do not see the sky. We are earth people on a spiritual journey to the stars. Our quest, our earth walk, is to look within, to know who we are, to see that we are connected to all things, to all people, that there is no separation, only in the mind. I like that. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think it takes us back to your pyramid of the connection between all the different levels in a workplace or in in wherever we are, actually, if it's in our own homes. Yeah, I think, you know, just because you don't agree with someone doesn't mean that you can disrespect them. And I think often when it comes to leadership, you know, if you've got a CEO or management or different people, just because you see someone and you realize, hold on, they're different to me. Everyone's different. It's about realizing and accepting those differences and saying just because someone's different, they might not have the same belief system as me. They might not follow the same religion as me, but that's okay. I don't have to agree with everyone. But that doesn't give me the right to disrespect them. Mm. And I think that's a very powerful thing, that everything is built on trust and respect. If people would respect each other in the world, the whole world would be totally different because you would listen to that person. You would say, you know what, let me, un- you know, let me understand where that person is, is coming from. Let me see. Let me try and put myself in that person's shoes and let me see their background and their beliefs. I don't have to agree with it. But as we said, we live in a world where whether it's arrogance or entitlement, people won't give someone else the time of day just because they think, well, you know, they're different to me. And because they're different, I don't have to respect them. There's nothing I can learn from that person. So where do you think fear comes into that? You know, especially if if you're running your workshops. Uh, I'm sure initially a lot of the the people who are not at the top of the organization, and, I mean, you get from the cleaners to the CEO all together, don't you? You don't break them up, as I said earlier. So how do you get the the, all of them, actually, to stop fearing each other? So, you know, I once saw something, Balia Biscalia. It was a beautiful. I love him. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you would. Um, It was a beautiful idea. And he used to do this with his students all the time. Um, one time he brought in these bags of old leaves and he scattered them all over his living room. And he called in all his students and, and they all sat down and he said, right, find a leaf that symbolizes you. And he said, if you sit underneath a tree and you look up, there's thousands of leaves, but every leaf is different. But when you put them all together, it makes a whole tree. And there was a whole lot there about realizing that everyone's different. So when I was teaching at King David once, um, I decided, you know, I read this and I thought that, that this would be a great thing. So I went into class and I said to the students, you know, I'm going to give you 10, 15 minutes. I want you to walk around the school and I want you to find the leaf that symbolizes you. Find something that, you know, that you identify with and then bring it back. And they brought it back and we all sat around in a circle and I said to them, right, share with me why you chose that leaf. And um, each person went around. Some had very colorful ones. Some had like these autumn ones. It was, it was beautiful. And each person saw something different. Each person shared with us about why they chose that leaf. And I said to me, you know, if you look up, there was this beautiful big tree. I said, how many leaves do you think there are on this tree? Uh, thousands. And I said to them, so what do you notice? And I said that all leaves are different. And I said, that's the same thing about each and every single student, each and every single person is that we're all different. We're all unique. Mm-hmm. That's a gift. That's a beautiful thing. And when we accept those differences, when we look at those differences and we realize those differences, then it's not a fear. It's actually a learning and saying, well, I can learn something from every single person because every single person's different. Just because my job title is different and just because where I am in the company is different doesn't mean I can't learn from other people. And as soon as you have that mind shift and you learn that, um, then the whole world changes around you. There was this great video I saw um, by someone, Kay, I can't remember, it was about two students fighting. And uh, the professor comes in and he holds a ball and he asks the students, he brings these two students up and he gets them to stand opposite each other. And he's holding this ball in the middle. And he says to the one student, what color is this ball? And he says, black. And he says to the student, what color is this ball? And he says, white. And the other student says, it's not, it's black. And this one says, it's not, it's white. And they start arguing with each other. 
And then what the professor does is he turns it. And it was painted half black and half white. <laughs> so from each That's side, so it was brilliant. So from each side, each person was willing to argue their point, And each person was willing to say to the other person, you're wrong. Until he showed them that it's the same ball, just oh, just on different sides. Wow. And yeah. as you know, you know what I told you, and as I uh, actually said to you, I say it so often on the program, people are probably bored with it. But it's those two prisoners looking out of the same cell window. And the one looks up. And sees the sky and the other looks down and sees the dirt. And, and that's, it's seeing it from your own perspective, how you want to see it. So it's that white and that, the white and black. Yeah. It's the darkness and light. 100%. You know, if you would take a, a pot plant and put it in the middle of a room and you'd ask everybody in the room, what do you see? Each person's going to focus on something different. Some, some will see the soil. Some will see the leaves. Some will see the stem. Some will see the base. Everybody's going to notice something Different, And that's the most beautiful part of the world mm. is that we all see things differently and we're meant to. That's how Hashem, that's how God designed us is that we are different and we need to embrace those differences because that's what's going to help us learn. Our sages teach us that who is a wise person, one who can learn from everybody mm. because everybody can teach us something. If I open myself up and, and I have a little bit of humility, I can learn so much from people around me. But I have to be willing to do that. Just because I see the world through my eyes doesn't mean that's the only way to see it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of a lot of people today have that arrogance of that. I know what's right. This is the, the this is the right, and we're going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the CEOs of Google, I can't remember who it was, walked into a meeting once, and he was sitting with his board, and he said to them, "I'd, I'd like to do an exercise with you today." And they all looked at him a bit, a bit suspicious. And he said, I'd like you to tell me how you think I can improve. Where, where do you think my weaknesses are? Mm. And there was wow. silence. Yeah. No yeah. one said anything. He says, there's going to be no consequences. But he said to them, I can't become a better leader if I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I need you to tell me where you think I can improve. I need you to tell me where do you think I'm making mistakes? And there was still silence. And he said, guys, we can't make this company into the world's best company if we're not going to be open with each other. And then one person put up their hand and said, okay, well, since you're asking, this is what I think. And another person, and it led to a whole, it led to a whole discussion. Mm. And he said it was not easy. It was very difficult listening to those things about what people really thought about him. But he was open enough to learning about it because he realized that he's not perfect. Mm. He realized everybody makes mistakes. But if he's not going to be willing to listen to other people and to say to them, where do you think I'm going wrong? How do you think I can improve? Only at that point are we going to be able to become true leaders and powerful leaders within ourselves, whether it's in a family environment, whether it's in a business environment. It doesn't make a difference. Um, I have a very close friend, and uh, once a year he asks me that question as well. He says to me, you know, you know me probably better than most people. Um, it's my time of year of introspection. I want you to tell me how do you think I can improve? What do you see within me? That that maybe is not perfect. It takes a very big person. Well, does it ever? <laughs> I'm just thinking who I would ask that of. <laughs> and it's an amazing thing, you know. If you ask someone that question, and what you know, are you going to be willing to listen to that? And he says, you know what? Thank you, because that's how I'm going to become the person who I want to be. That's fantastic. We're just breaking for an advert, and then we've got a, a short YouTube by Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs. Um, on the house we build, the home we build together. How do you sustain a cohesive society in the midst of unprecedented religious and ethnic diversity? How, in an age of mass migration, do you integrate minorities without destroying their identity or losing yours? That's a key issue facing the West today. So let's look at how societies have dealt with it in the past and where they went wrong. The first was the way Britain and other European countries did it in the 19th century. I call it the country house model. Imagine a hundred immigrants turn up in the English countryside at the gate of an enormous country house. The owner of the house, an aristocrat, greets the new arrivals with a warm and welcoming smile. How good to see you, he says. There are a hundred of you. I have at least a hundred spare rooms. Please come and stay for as long as you like. He couldn't be more hospitable. The only trouble is, he's the host, and you're just a guest. 
It's his home, not yours. So, in 19th century Europe, immigrants found refuge, but they were conscious of being outsiders, guests. That failed. Not in England, but in Germany, Austria, France, and other European countries who decided, one way or another, that they really didn't want the Jewish guests anymore. That's how the Holocaust happened with so little protest from the general population. In America, in the 19th and early 20th century, there was a different model. It was called the melting pot. Into the pot went all the immigrants, Irish, Italian, Jewish, and out came something different. They'd all become Americans. At least, that was the theory. What happened, in fact, was that they came out hyphenated Americans. Irish-American, Italian-American, Jewish-American. Many of them, especially African-Americans, but others also, were discriminated against. So rather than a single national identity, you had lots of jangling interest groups. The American motto was a pluribus unum, out of the many, one. But it turned out that there was more pluribus than unum. So in the 1970s, Europe and America turned to a new model, the hotel. Imagine a hundred immigrants turn up in a town. The leaders of the town say, welcome, please come and stay in one of our hotels. That's where we all live. All you have to do is pay the bill and you're free to do whatever you like in your room so long as the noise doesn't disturb the other guests. This was the strategy known as multiculturalism. It was meant to cure the problems of the country house and the melting pot. Now everyone was free to keep their own identities, and they did so, natives and newcomers, on the same terms. All they had to do was pay the bill, taxes, and in return they each had their own room and the hotel services. The only trouble is that in a hotel, no one belongs. A hotel is not a home, which upset the people who'd been there a long time and thought they had a home. It was also disastrous for any sense of collective identity. Hotel guests don't constitute a community. The things that matter, they do in their private rooms. Multiculturalism was supposed to make everyone feel at home, but in the end it made no one feel at home. It was supposed to lead to integration. Instead, it led to segregation. So, for the 21st century, we need a new model. I call it the home we build together. A hundred immigrants turn up in a town. The leaders of the town say, welcome. We're so sorry we don't have a country house or a hotel, but we do have some spare land and lots of building materials and some expert architects and electricians, so let's all build you a house together. The natives and newcomers work together, side by side. And in the course of building, the newcomers learn the ways of the natives, and the natives benefit from the skills of the newcomers. The newcomers keep many of their old customs, but they also bring their unique gifts as contributions to the town. And they feel they belong because, with the help of the natives, they have built their own homes, which merge architecturally with the other houses in the town. The model of society as the home we build together emphasizes responsibilities more than rights. It values differences because they're not used to keep us apart, but rather they mean we each have something different and special to give to the common good. The town grows because of all the new food and music and fashions the newcomers bring to the town square, and the natives still feel at home because the newcomers respect their way of doing things. That is integrated diversity. It's so much better than the country house the melting pot, and the hotel, because building leads to belonging. When we build, we bond. Society is the home we build together. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi, FM. 
Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. You can SMS us on 34519 or you can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. We have just been listening to Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs on The Home We Build Together. What did you think of that, Rabbi Alon? I loved it. I love Rabbi Sachs. It's brilliant. But I love what he said at the end. I love his his conclusion where he talks about that uh, society is the home that we build together Mm -hmm. and that togetherness. Um, Just to summarize in case people didn't get it, he says the model of society as the home we build together emphasizes responsibilities more than rights. It values differences because they're not used to keeping us apart, but rather they mean we each have something different and special to give to the common good. And I loved that. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's saying that the society we build together is about the differences we have is what makes the society such a special place. It's, that's exactly what it is. It emphasizes it's the responsibilities more than right. It values the differences. And I think that's where leadership goes a bit wrong today is that it doesn't always value the differences. It mm-hmm. doesn't look at that society today. If we could do that, uh, our sages speak so much about about these concepts of valuing the differences in people, looking at the differences, respecting that that's what builds a society. If we look throughout of, of the Torah, throughout of our scriptures, we find that no one is the same. Everyone is different. Hashem, God, often speaks of these differences because he wants us to realize that, look at that individual, realize the person is different. We have one of the statements in the ethics of our fathers that says that, um, we should judge every person favorably. It says, kol ha'adam Judge every person favorably. And one of the, the commentators, the Maral, asks a very interesting question. It says, Danit kol ha'adam, you must judge the whole person. He says, it should just say, judge people favorably. What does it mean, the whole person? And he explains, he says, this word kol, the whole person, he says, only when you know the whole person are you, are you able to judge them. Only when you know what motivated them to act in a certain way. What, what was their thinking? What was their thought process? What is their upbringing? Do you know everything about them that made them do or say that? He says, only when you know that are you able to judge a person. Until that point, we have no right to judge other people because you're only seeing something on a very superficial level and you're making a judgment call on a very superficial level. And we have no right to do that. That's fantastic. But it takes a big man. A big woman, a big person, a big human to actually uh, allow themselves to look deeper into somebody else because we don't always like what we're seeing. We don't always like to see the pain in other people or, you know, the, the, the hardships or, you know, because then we, 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 uh, we actually often feel that we've got to do something and we can't do something for them. And, you know, it, it's that, uh, I think, especially we're finding that today in our country. I agree. You know, you asked at the beginning about, about what's, what is the fear that people have? And I think one of the biggest fears that, that people have is not necessarily about other people, but it's actually the fear of themselves. Meaning that how well do we know ourselves? Mm-hmm. How open are we with ourselves? Are we working on ourselves? Are we developing ourselves? Are we growing within ourselves? Do we realize that not everything, you know, I remember once there was this beautiful story by Rabbi Tversky. Um, one of the most incredible psychiatrists. I'm also mad about him. Yeah. And, and he brings a very personal story. He says at one stage he was the head of a hospital, um, of a psychiatric hospital of 300 patients. You know, and he said he needed a break from it all, which you can imagine. And he booked himself into this uh, health spa for a couple of days off. And he says on the first day he went for a couple of treatments. And he said the second or third treatment he went into this, into this beautiful jet bath with warm water and, after a couple of minutes, he gets out, he puts his gown on, he, and he proceeds out, and the attendant says, sorry, sir, this is a 15-minute treatment. You've only done um, eight or nine minutes. You've got to go and finish. He says, no, I feel fine. I'm really happy to move on. He says, sorry, sir, you can't move on until you've completed. And they had a bit of a discussion. He realized he wasn't going to win. So he got back into the water. <laughs> and he says the next five or six minutes were the most excruciating six minutes of his life. Not because the water got any any hotter or the jets got any faster. He says because 
you can be the head of a psychiatric hospital of 300 patients but not know who's in the room with you when there's silence. And he Mm. says he was there by himself. There was nothing to distract himself from himself. And he asked himself this question of of who am I? And I think that, that, that sometimes we're not aware of who we are as people. And if we spend time with ourselves, sometimes we might not like who we are. Mm-hmm. We might not realize our, our own flaws. Or we might not like our flaws. We might say, you know, I, I know I'm not perfect, but we might not appreciate these differences even within ourselves. So what we do is that because we're scared to find that, we just put that onto everyone else. Mm-hmm. And we look at people through our own perception and we don't give people that benefit of that. We don't look at people and their differences and say, I, I, you know, I'm different to everyone else and everyone else around me is different as well. Let me be open to that. Let me learn from those people. So that fear of self also scares people many times. Very definitely. But I think it's also that so many people are their own worst critics as well. So, you know, to... To actually go in and even meet people, you don't meet them on a, on an equal basis because you're feeling inferior yourself. You know, so you often project that onto other people, your own feelings of inadequacy. Agreed. You can project it onto other people. Yeah, I love definitions as we've discussed before on other shows. So I went and, uh, is, um, and in preparation for the show, I looked up the word respect. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know, you know, what is the word respect? If you had to define it, what is the word respect? And it's a beautiful thing you ask yourself, you know, at this present moment, how would I define the word respect? What does respect mean? So I found two very beautiful definitions of it. And the one says this, a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. And I thought that's beautiful because Mm -hmm. if you look at that definition, it's an admiration. And why, and how do you have that? It's either through their abilities, qualities, or their achievements. Mm We can respect people for different things, mm. for who they are in their abilities. They might, it doesn't mean they have to be the best, but I respect you for their ability. I respect you for the qualities that you possess as a human being, or I respect you for the achievements that you've done. So you see that there's different levels of respect as well. We can look at the world differently. We could look at people around us differently. And it's about finding that level of respect. One of our, our sages, the Ranban, wrote a very beautiful letter when he was moving to Israel. He wrote a very beautiful letter to his son to give him guidance and advice about how to become a better person in life and what we should achieve. And this is what he says to his son. And I just thought this is so beautiful. He says, let your words be spoken gently. Let your head be bowed. Um, put your eyes downward and your heart heavenward. And when speaking, do not, um, do not say, he says, let all men seem greater than you in your eyes. If another is more wise or wealthier than you, you must show him respect. And if he is poor and you are richer or wiser than him, consider that, have, that he may be more righteous than yourself. Hmm. If he sins, is it a result of his error while your transgressions are deliberate? Wow. And that's the advice he gives him. That's so fantastic. Hey? Look at other people around you hmm. and realize, you know what? I might be better in some areas, but perhaps there's something greater in them that they possess than I possess. Mm. Humble yourself. And I think great leaders had this ability. This is what the Torah teaches us, that we should, you know, that we should do this with everyone. And I think we live in a world where it's not like that. We were discussing earlier, you know, there's some people around us, um, who might, who might irritate us or might aggravate us. You know, we look at them and we think these people who wash your windows or these car guards or we look at them and we think, ah, you know, so lowly, such, such an individual. They're more of a nuisance to society. They're not really. And they get behind your cars. You're trying to reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, they get, they get in your way Mm. and you think, ah, such a nuisance. Why do these people need to be in society? But I'm looking at that from my perspective. I'm looking at these people from my, you know, from my model of the world. I'm not realizing how this is another human being. Just greet them, be nice to them, smile at them. It's not a, it's just realizing and respecting how is another human being. You know, is that, is, is a car god their life admiration? Probably not. This is what they're doing so that they can earn money. Mm. Respect that person. Doesn't have to be for the job that they're doing, but they're here is a person who's trying to do something. Absolutely. I have to agree with you there. And I think also we need to see what's being mirrored back to us. You know, sometimes we are very irritated with people, but if we stop and we're actually honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, well, what is actually being mirrored to me here? 
you know, what is really behind this feeling that I'm having of inadequacy or irritation, whatever it might be. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. That that mirror is a very powerful thing. Very. Yeah, I, I, I read in a... Um, in, I can't remember who said it in one of the psychology books of, of, of reflective. It says if you see someone walking down the road, you've never met them before, but you'll make a judgment call on them. You'll look at this person and you'll say something to yourself about what who that person is, but you know nothing about them. Mm. It's often reflective, meaning that there's something inside of myself that I can't deal with, and what I'm doing is I'm putting it onto that other person. And that's a key for me saying, oh, hold on a sec. Why did I do that? Why am I thinking that about that other person? What is that teaching me about myself that I need to learn? And I think that that's what leadership is. Leadership is about self-development. It's about self-growth. It's about looking at myself. This is, this is the one quality that all amazing leaders had. Uh, there was once, there was an amazing story of, of Martin Luther King. He, he was giving a talk and this white supremacist came up and started beating him up in the middle of the stage. And his bodyguards ran on stage and they held it, you know, they held him back and they were going to beat him up. And he says, no, he says, that's not how we do things. He says, if we do, it makes us no better than him, hmm. you know, and he no. got into a discussion with this man on stage. Why? And, he, and, you're, and, and, and his whole approach was nonviolence. That, that was his whole big approach. And he wanted to show people in, in a public audience. There was a man who wanted to beat him up. And he took that approach of true leadership and he said, we need to stay firm to our values. We need to stay strong to what it is. Well, this is how we're going to create a change. This person is a product of their society. This person is a product of what the world wants him to be. And we can be the ones to change it. And he used that as, a, that as an example of how true leader can be to change the world around them. That's fantastic. And, and actually that takes me into what we're going to be trying to do on this program in the, in the next few months is on the growing um, anti-Semitism in the world. And actually we're going to be highlighting the beauty of Judaism in the world and what, what it's brought to the world, obviously. And, and also that we can't fight fire with fire, exactly as Martin Luther King said, but we can fight it with the light of love. And I think that's what I'm going to be definitely trying to do. So dowsing the flames in this way, rather, you know, and, um, our enemies will continue to try and defeat us, obviously, but our strength actually lies in our unity. And in our commitment to the values of Judaism, which are universal values, that's, it's, as you said, that respect, responsibility, caring, unity, you know, those are we, we're planning on highlighting, quite honestly. And your story falls very much into that with, with Martin Luther King not actually uh, reacting with anger. And I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you also feel it, but, but, a lot of people are angry today, and are we seeing it a lot in our country at the moment, unfortunately. I think we, we're going through a big transition again. But often angry people, they don't understand that it, it goes over into the entire area, not just themselves. They're not holding the anger. Everyone else is being shattered by it. Just breaking for an advert. Stay relevant and up to date. Informed. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph, and our topic is Make the World a Better Place. And we're hoping that uh, some of the words that Rabbi Alon is sharing today is definitely making a difference they have to my life. You can SMS us on 34519, or you can WhatsApp us on 61 I do often hear from people after the show, by the way, Rabbi Alon, that they say they didn't SMS or whatever because they're so busy listening in. But, you know, to go back to people who are uh, internally, emotionally angry, um, and as I said, we often are, are left shattered by someone's outbursts of, of hatred, of anger, of racism, and everyone else is sort of tarnished by their unchecked rage. Do you, because everyone does have wounds, um, but I think... We all crave peace within ourselves, with our country, with our community. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing that you say that. If you look at many people use violence because they want to create peace. 
Yeah, a person has, uh, I don't know, take road rage, for example. What makes someone angry? There's a sense of entitlement. How could the person do this to me? I'm, I'm going to show them. But what's the motivation? The motivation behind that is because what are they trying to achieve? I want to be the better person. I want to show them that, that it's about me and they can't, and they can't get away with this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've got to get that up. And so it's often, it's very interesting of what the motivation behind the anger is. Why get angry? Why, why burn down schools? Why, you know, why have these protests? What are you trying to achieve? I want, I want my own way. And that's, and that's what people want. People are saying, I'm doing this because I want my own way. And is my way the right way? I don't know. But people are feeding that. People are saying to them, this is what you've got to get. And if you want that, this is the way. And if people don't know any better or people are taken by these leaders who are doing that, so they think, well, this is obviously the best way to do it. So for me, it's often the motivation behind why. Mm-hmm. Why is it that they're doing these things? It's not them often. It's that someone's either motivated, but it's what the motivation is. What are they trying to Achieve. Mm-hmm. We want, you know, we want service delivery. So the best way I'm going to do it is I'm going to be violent. But is that the best way of, of getting it for them in their mindset? It is. And that's why they're doing it. So it's about understanding why people do these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's again, a true leader understands what people's motivation is. They sit down with people. They discuss it. They want to understand where that person is coming from. Why are you behaving in such a way? What's really bothering you? And we can understand that's the thing. We can fix it. So that anger often comes from a, from, from, from either it can stem from a, from a place of entitlement. Mm-hmm. I want this and this is the way I'm going to get it and, and I'm entitled to it. And therefore, if they don't get it, it's like a person throwing a tantrum. Everything goes out the window and I'm going to show you that, that I deserve that. Mm-hmm. And the best way I'm going to show you is by destroying everything else around you. What people don't realize is that often they're destroying themselves in that, in that process. And, and the people close to them too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I also do believe that uh, there's almost a collective blame also that people are, are, are in the world today. I mean, you see it certainly in America. We see it in other countries as well. And we see it here, you know, well, you, uh, on all different races. They are useless. They don't do this. They don't do that. They, they think that they own the country, you know. So you, we having all our different cultures lumping the other culture as as a whole you know as being useless uh entitled or whatever else we want to call them yeah you know it's interesting when we developed live your part and we wanted to bring human values back into business and that's really what we wanted we wanted to create cultures and values in companies but not business values we wanted human values And when we started this journey, it was very interesting. When we sat with companies and we said to them, what are the values you want? What are the behaviors you would like from your staff? What are the values you would like your staff to live by? And we analyzed and we said, we don't want business values. Over here, you're dealing with human beings. They might be employees, but they're human beings. And let's bring the human element back into business. And the most amazing thing was over the years of doing it, uh, I've discovered that there's probably only 14 main human values that everyone operates on. And as soon as you bring those elements back in and you build a society based on those values. What are those values? So, for example, it's values like honesty, integrity, trust, loyalty. It can be so many different, you know, it can be so many different things, but they're all human values. Mm -hmm. They're the basic society, respect. You know, these these if you bring those elements back into every discussion, and you start off every discussion like that. We can have our differences. You want this, I want that, that's great. But if a common value is honesty and a common value is respect, then the discussion starts off in a very different way because we're starting off saying, you know what, we had to discuss something, but we still need to respect each other. We want an outcome, so let's be honest with each other. And if you can, if, if we can build a society based on human values and everybody abides by those values, that brings the world to a better place. And that's exactly, you know, that, that's exactly that whole topic of making the world a better place mm-hmm. is by looking at those common values. And every religion, it's the most amazing thing. Every religion has very similar values. If you look at most world religions, they all talk about respect. Mm-hmm. They all talk about honesty. You know, you, you're not going to, so if they're all based on those same, on, on, on the, on, on, on the similarities, 
Instead of looking at the differences, we need to be looking at the similarities and Absolutely. saying, let's look at the similarities. Now we can discuss. You agree with respect. I agree with respect. Great. Now let's have a proper discussion. So what unites us rather than what divides us. Exactly. And our values are often what unites people. Mm. That's exactly what's, that's exactly what we need to be focusing on. That's what great leaders understand. Is that if you look at all great leaders, they respected so many different people around them, whether it was a Mandela, Gandhi, um, p- uh, um, great people in business even. What makes them great leaders is that they respect people. They have these intrinsic human values that they abide by. I was listening to on CNN, they were talking about Bill Gates. And, and his wife and the philanthropic work that they do. And funny enough, that is exactly one of the things that did come up, that that's, they are admired, not, not for their money, but for their humanity. Yeah. And that's exactly it. You know, you can have all the money in the world, but you find many people who, um, who don't have those same abilities mm-hmm. or that same personality traits, but you find people that do. And that's exactly what people at my building say, wow, you know, Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Mm. Isn't that incredible? Look at what they're doing with what they've got. And anybody can be like that. Their message is that anybody can give, whether it's giving of your time, whether it's giving of your of yourself. It's a message that they want to change the world. Yes, some people have the means in terms of using money, but you don't only need money to change the world. Most great leaders were not wealthy. If you look at the true leaders who um, who led the world, they often grew up in poverty or they died very poor, but they were not wealthy individuals. Mm-hmm. And becoming a leader was never about the money for them. In fact, they, you know, if, if they did get money, it wasn't about um, self-service. It was about using that money for helping other people to become better because those were the values that drove them. And often it's that falling down seven times and lifting yourself up seven times that actually it's, it's that's your growth. Yeah, agreed. And I think today, unfortunately, we find many people are going to leadership positions because of self-gratification, because it's about what they can get out of it. It's Mm. not about how they can serve the people. It's about how can I serve myself. And that's because we've lost those values. We're not living by those true values. It's a world of saying, you know what, I'm entitled to this. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to get this position. And that's fine. And um, I'm going to make sure that I'm taken care of. And other people, will they must sort themselves out. Mm, it's so true. And we also, you know, the anger sometimes just stays with us. And and um, we, we don't actually see another side eventually. You know, we only see the anger and, and we're, what we have put people in, which actually there's a story of, it's, it's, it's not a short story, but about two monks, two traveling monks, and they reached a town where there was a, a woman waiting to step out of her sedan chair, a very wealthy woman, and the rains had made deep puddles which she couldn't step across without spoiling her very silken clothes. She stood there and she was very, very cross and impatient and she was shouting at her attendants who were busy holding all her st- her packages and I'll get back to it in a moment. <laughs> a frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. We do have an SMS that's come through, but I'm just going to finish telling you the story first. Uh, Rabbi Alon said to Craig, how can you stop in the middle of the story? Anyway, we're back to those two traveling monks and this this very entitled woman who was not prepared to get her her clothes uh, Dirty, and the, her attendants couldn't help it because they were holding all her bags. Anyway, the younger woman, the younger monk, noticed the woman and said nothing and went on walking. But the older monk quickly picked her up, put her on his back, and transported her across the water, and then putting her down on the other side. She didn't even thank this older monk; she just shoved him out of the way and walked on. As they continued their walk, the younger um, monk was very, very upset and preoccupied. And after a few hours, he actually just couldn't be silent anymore. And he asked the older, older monk, that woman was back there was so rude and selfish, and yet you picked her up on your back and carried her, and she didn't even thank you. And the older monk said, I set that woman down hours ago. Why are you still carrying her? Yeah, I love that story. 
I love it. And I think that's what we often do do. We hold on to resentments and we, we, we carry them on our back and they become this burden, this heavy burden, which we could remove. You know, we could uh, get rid of this excess baggage. Yeah. Let me just read this, uh, this coming through this SMS. Reflecting on your inquiry, inspiring comments, Sue and Rabbi Alon, wouldn't be, wouldn't it be wonderful if differences were embraced rather than just accepted? D- uh, diversity is in fact the basis of evolution. We wouldn't be here discussing the subject if diversity had never existed. Food for thought, right? I like that. Right. And thank you very much for that comment. It's a beautiful comment. How would you like to respond to that so comment? I just wanted to pick up on your story because I think there's two points that are very, very pertinent and lessons we can learn from that. And the first one is that when the monk picked up the lady, he wasn't doing it for the lady. He was doing it because that was the right thing to do. You know, the younger monk was saying, you know, but you got no recognition. She didn't even thank you, you know. And he walked on anyway. Initially. And he walked on. And the older monk said, you know, if you, if you analyze the story, he wasn't doing it because he wanted recognition. He wasn't doing it. He was doing it because that was the right thing to do, regardless mm-hmm. of how the woman reacted. And that, that's our motivation as well, is that we do things because that's the right way to do it. It's not about the reward that we get. It's not about what's going to happen. It's about doing it because that's the right way to act and the right thing to do. And the other one about the baggage is, is 100% correct. You know, if you owned a house, you wouldn't let someone stay there rent-free. Yet we let people stay in our minds and, and we let people come into our lives and they've passed on, but they're still hours later. They're still there and we're letting them stay rent-free and it takes away our happiness. It mm-hmm. takes away our, our enjoyment. And it's about, and you know, when these things happen, it's about analyzing it and saying, why, why did that affect me so much? What's bothering me so much mm-hmm. about that? Mm-hmm. What is it about me? What lesson do I need to learn within myself that I can use this as an opportunity of growth? And, and I think letting th- go. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what that SMS is as well, is that embrace diversity. It's there to be embraced. Everyone is different, just like we started off with. Everyone sees the world differently. Mm-hmm. And it's about us realizing that not everyone is going to see the same way as I do. And that's beautiful. That gives me the opportunity to learn and to grow and to analyze. It teaches me about myself and about other people. Wonderful. And Rabbi Alon, unfortunately, on that note, we're actually going to have to wrap up. And we've got a beautiful song by Judy Erwig and Wendy Fine, and it's called um, Make the World a Better Place. Craig's going to be playing that now. And I will be back next week. And, um, you know, it's what Neil Armstrong said. Uh, one step for man, one giant step for mankind. Let's all take that giant step. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Thank you so much, Sue.